0: Okay, I'm Malcolm Howitt. For those that don't know me, I've been working with Axial and its predecessor DS for many years with the Calm collection management system. Just a bit of um, history for those maybe not quite sure what's happening. Uh, This time last year, Axial acquired Adlib, who are one of our competitors in the heritage sector in the UK. And then in October last year, they also acquired Slago, which is a... Canadian company which sells the Mimsy Museum System. So we've actually now got three separate companies all forming part of a a new company in the UK. But I should say that the the new company started first of January this year is Axial ALM, um, which stands for Archives, Libraries, and Museums. So the Axial Calm does not exist anymore. Adlib UK doesn't exist anymore. Axial ALM is our new company based in, in Nottingham. Kathy did also say to me, we talked about this presentation for a, a suggested uh, title for it, she thought my suggestion was rather dry and could kind I of make it a bit more exciting. But then Jane did also say to me, Jane Stevenson did say, let's shout up for standards. So let's um, be positive and exciting about standards. Um, I'm not an expert in, in standards. People here are much more understanding of it than, than, than I do. I'm just trying to give you a feel for where um, I think companies like Axial are, are coming from. So these are the the, sort of the bullet points that sort of come from the synopsis I gave of this this particular session um, and I'm going to try to explain where <coughs> we as suppliers come from and also myself from my a personal perspective. Um, I first became exposed to standards many years ago outside side of London in Newham when I worked for Newham's public library service in the bibliographic services department and the joys of um, cataloguing using Mark and then subsequently Mark 21 it's interesting that um, they were at the cutting edge of library technology in 1987 and then 20 20 years later I was extolling the virtues of standards management for archives when they bought CALN. So the archives gradually caught up with the libraries perhaps 20 20 years later. Um, But the the challenge for suppliers is is, is quite a big one. It's it's more so for for Axial at the moment. to go back to that uh, comment about Calm, Adlib, and Mimsy, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a new generation of products for our for, for our customers and hopefully new customers as well. And it's a bit like Ted Rogers was 321, from those that remember that from the old days, but trying to take um, three systems into one new one and trying to <coughs> get the best aspects of those into a new generation of system. So, actually, looking at how we build that and the sort of standards we apply in there, it's a real chance for our customers and others to try and really inform a new way of working. So it's, a, it's an exciting time for us and hopefully from the standards perspective it's quite important for you guys as well. But the world revolves around standards, you know, what I mean, that's why my light bulb works in every room of the house. So my daughter gets upset when her phone charges the wrong one she's in a sleepover. So when standards don't work, they don't work, but when they work, they work very well. And collection management should be no different from, for, for, from that process. So just a, a but snaps snapshot back from experience. When we first started this business, there were very few core standards that really existed. Um, you know, sort of the, the, sort of the mid-90s was early ISAD G, ISAR, early EAD. There wasn't that many standards that were really affecting how people were working from our customers' perspective. That's changed a lot, obviously, with later incarnations of ISAD, ISAR, EAC, um, latest EAD, you know, all, all these standards floating about just now. Um we found that many customers are trying to apply manual processes into database things. So rather than rethinking how they work, how they apply things, they're basically taking manual processes and sticking them into a computerized, computerized system. And that was a hard process for them to get to get around. And we still have it the case where people wanted to replicate printed output from a, a database system. The database had the information in there, it was structured and standardized, but they still wanted printed output from it. And even my colleagues in Germany just now are trying to sell AdLib in the German archives market. They're still mandated of printed catalogue output has to be part of the, of the system. So even though things are changing and automating, there's still a need to go back to some of those, those manual, manual processes. Another key difference was that um, there received a lot of funding for catalogue projects, quite large catalogue projects. I remember going to one customer site in the mid-late 90s and there were people everywhere and they got a lot of money to catalogue, respectively. There was lots of people in there being paid to, to catalogue. It was quite quite exciting. It really showed how you could take a standard system and work closely with it. But the focus moved then from cataloguing to, um, to to public access, and data became not just something to catalogue and create a system that would to be used for public access. When you start to give public access to data, the requirements sort of changed slightly. It wasn't quite as simple as they they thought it would be, particularly with data structures, where people created their own fields, own bits of information, and it was very much fitted in with how they worked properly, but not how they might interpret to a public access view. So it was quite a a tricky process for, for some customers. It also became true that some suppliers were identified with specific sectors. I know historically people said, I can't use CALM, it's a county record office system because it works with ISAD and that's how county record offices work. Um, my colleagues in Adlib have quite a strong presence in film archives because they work with the British Film Institute. They've built up a large reputation for being based around standards work with film archives. So that gives a, a, a strong reputation in a particular sphere. And also, um, museum systems, for example, museums might be special, uh, seen to specialise in, for example, natural history. So even though there's lots of systems, they often become associated with a particular type of material, and that's often based around the standards that they are particularly strong in. But really, it's not just about data standards, but standard workflows as, as well, how people use and manage the data in, in the system. But it has to be easy to use, has to be flexible, but often there's an element of compromisation in that, in that data as well. So it's not just about standards and data structure standards; it's how people choose to work in a standard, a standard way. So, current situation: I mean, there's a people are using software like Calm, AdLib, Mimsy and others for a wide range of material, both traditional and um, digitised and born digital. And there's very standards that apply to those different disciplines, and systems have to be able to accommodate those as, as well as possible. A traditional sense, we're talking about um, things like ISAD, ISA, these sort of standards, but cataloguing catalogue traditional material. For digitised material, it's a different sort of, different beast, different ballgame. And there's lots of advice, information from JISC and, and, and the like on how to manage digitised material within collection management systems. But also the area of born digital, totally different ballgame. And it, I mean, Nick may have mentioned the, the recent launch of the, the Spectrum Dams schemes, trying to encourage suppliers <coughs> to incorporate dams functionality from the systems. And it's not just a case of building it into your own system, it's also trying to work with third party partners. So Axial, for example, currently work with um, Tesela and their safety deposit box and Preservica products with Calm. We also work with Extensys alongside <coughs> So. It's not just a case of trying to build all the standards into one system it's trying to incorporate and work with other suppliers to maximize the, the, the <coughs> maximize benefits but the list of standards is, is, is truly quite quite enormous and these are some things that <coughs> popped up in the, on our, our wavelength recently and there's a mix of library archive museum standards there. it's really quite 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 frightening and there's I don't understand what half those acronyms means so there's names and parts of the body and animals and everything in there but it's a real mishmash of of, of standards and um, there's a lot of work involved in trying to support those standards and it could just be about um, being able to have a certain number of units of information to to, to record it could be a whole complicated data schema and when you talk to our developers about um, supporting standards they normally say well if you go and read that 300 page document and summarize it in maybe half a page of key things I have to do, I'm happy to do the work. But really you have to look at is that's a return on investment, because actually to say you support a standard can be a very, very complicated process. And at the end of the day, although we're a, you know, we are a commercial company, you have to justify doing things. So there has to be a return on investment in, in doing that. So what we do is we look at the standards, we look at our customer requirements, we work out what we need to do to make the system fit for our customers, whether that's doing it ourselves or working with some third party. So as I said, it's developing a system focused on specific standards, but that scope for integration and sharing, we don't have to do it ourselves, we work with partners, that, that's an absolute key part of it. So we're using data for integrating, we're transporting data, we're sharing data, we're linking data, all the things people have talked about already this morning and this afternoon, it's, it's that, that sharing cooperation aspect of our, of our work. So for a practical application, as I said already, a system is built around standard workflows and it's built around data standards. And that can be a very simple, straightforward process or it can be quite a complex and complicated process because customers often want to define their own workflows and their own local interpretation of standards. Now that's not a problem per se, but as soon as you give people flexibility, they take advantage of that, and it's much harder to work for example, in exchanging and sharing data. I think Jane touched on that this morning about the various uses of the templates in CALM for working with the the hub. Um, Once people start doing their own thing, their own interpretation, it's much harder to to work with. And people often say we want a standard system, but we don't want to have to use the standards. So it's a weird idea, but that's often what what tends to happen. So what you get are, um, if you like, um, potential conflicts in in the process. so, I said local interpretation, we want standards, we don't want to use them, Phil. The hub reports. And it's interesting that we tried to build the hub <coughs> templates based around uh, the, the hub flavor of EAD and the A2A flavor of EAD and also in Archive Network Wales flavor of, of EAD. And we actually created a mechanism so customers could modify those templates before they push it to the hub. But I guess what's happening is they're pushing the hub and leaving Jane to do the modification afterwards, which is fine for me, but it's maybe not so good for, for, for Jane. And also with, with A2A, I mean, that was a, a marvelous project for customers uh, many years ago to, for a lot of retrospective cataloging. We have customers still pushing A2A data into products like Calm, but the data is maybe not quite as it should be, and they, it's almost our fault the data's not good. And we say, no, go back to the people who did the cataloging because it's their it's there issue. So again, there's, there's, there's issues and flavors of VAD that can impact on things at a, at, at a later, later date. But really, we want flexible systems, but they can become complicated, complex, and, and, and costly. And, and a couple of examples. Um, when we first started looking at EAD, and this is, I guess, probably in the, the late 1990s, <coughs> Um, An idea we had was to try and retain the richness of the data by importing the tags into Calm, make it read-only, so you could retain that richness and flavour. But it was an absolute nightmare to maintain and manage. So we removed that, but there are still legacies now of people with these EAD tags floating around their their Calm systems. So that's an unfortunate one. Also, um, uh, we have a customer who's pushing data and content out to OAI. And we built it around a primary key. Each record has to have a primary key, but they want different primary keys for different records. So you don't want one standard reference. They want to choose which reference it is, and an automatic export. So again, it's a, it's, it's a sensible thing they want to do, but it's actually very, very hard to do in a standard, in a standard product, in a standard, a standard way, because people see. Um, software, they see web-based applications. They're used to using technology and, and applications now. And it's all very easy and simple and dynamic to use. And there's an expectation that that same process will apply in commercial products like, like ours. But, I mean, we are commercial, but we're not Google, we're not Amazon. We don't have that sort of resource <laughs> to do all the things that, that they want us to do. So w- suppliers have to be careful at how they commit resource and how they choose to apply and manage the product going forward and therefore how these standards Fit into our into our product. So, the next step really is trying to balance that gap I call it between internal collections management and external collections exposure. And it's back to this point of how people <laughs> will catalogue and manage data in a standard way, but then choose to expose that to their to the user communities. And a good example of that recently is uh, one of our customers um, who's trying to. It's almost like a discovery type portal um, where you're managing locations that are branch libraries and locations that are internal store references and how do you actually, how meaningful useful is an internal store reference to an external public catalogue. It, it's not very good. So really it's trying to manage how you deal with data internally and how that translates into external collections exposure because often what you have internally is not necessarily what you want to show externally. But key here really is using standards as a data exchange mechanism. It's 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 it's, it's pushing data out in a, in a standard way that allows people to, to to engage with your with your data. And another couple of examples really is um, again work we did with the hub, of course, to to push data out of CALM, but also. Um, with one of our Scandinavian customers, we're looking at pushing data out as EAC, but it wants to pull in data from the linked um, catalogue records as well. So it's quite a, a complex uh, bit of work to, to do. And also, again, with um, with, with OER harvesting, um, trying to push that out to um, portals like, like Europeana. So we're using standards wherever possible as we're supporting local, national, and international services. And local could be uh, things like uh, customers on websites, it could be things like AIM25, which, which Jeff talked about earlier on. It could be um, consortiums and, and local authorities who are trying to share and work together, like London Libraries, for example. It could be um, national initiatives like um, the discovery system through, through TNA, um, linked data through the hub, through the Scottish Archival Network, lots of these um, sort of national organisations that want to share and engage with data from, from systems like, like, like Axial's. But also internationally, the things like Europeana, um, Archive Portal Europe, things we've heard about in this session just before this. So really it's trying to allow people to take what they have in systems like Calm, but support local, national and international services. Now I call this a triangle, it's this um, three way relationship. It's um I think it was um late Princess of Wales that said there's three of us in this this relationship. But um it's definitely not it's not crowded at t- it's definitely not crowded because really there's more than three people. It's not just the the supplier, our customer, and your customer, but it's also um, all the third parties that we that we work with work with as well. And really, it's, a, it's sort of a, a multi-directional relationship. It's not a circle that goes round and people disengage and move on to the next one. It's really more of a triangle where we're actually trying to engage not just with you but also with your end users as well. And and you're talking to us, you're talking to your users. It's really much a, a sort of a... A triangular process with arrows going going both ways that, that's probably the key because what we're trying to do is be sure that what each of us does influences the work that the others are doing as well so it's not just us working in isolation suppliers customers and your consumers are all doing things that influence each each other and i'll show you what i mean by that in a moment so first of all as a supplier what we're bringing is the support for the, the workflows, the standards, the things that, that have put the system together, if you like, that govern the, the, the standards, give the content, and allows data to be exchanged. We're giving the tools with which you can construct the system and therefore how your content is exposed to your, to your end users. We're offering a, a listening ear to be responsive to, um, to your requirements, and that could be through the, the, the RFE process we have for uh, engaging user ideas it could be working with them um, sort of funded projects like step change which um, we worked with with king's college london on the with m 25 to look at them um, linked data aspects it could be that whole sort of interactive process and that's really quite important just now for us because we're working on this um, sort of three to one three to one project so. but i suppose the key thing is that we're trying possibly to second guess what people want and that can be quite quite dangerous because we're trying to understand what people want and you feed that back to us. But often we're trying to guess what the future actually holds for us. And I really think that is partly where we are with our three to one project with um, Adlib, Kalman and Mimsy, who are trying to work out what the best combination of product is for our customers going forward. So it's a tricky time, but actually it's quite an exciting time and all these things form part of that, that process. From a customer perspective, um, what you're doing is using and interpreting what the, 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 the collection management system can offer, and you're interpreting stuff for your own uh, local use. So you're <laughs> taking content to represent in a local way or in a, in a, in a national way. Just opening up data to things like um, crowdsourcing, it's engaging with all parties, because you're actually so the main traffic in this triangle between us and the, the end user. But the end user is the one that absorbs, uses, engages with others, and has new expectations of what the, what the, the, the system will do. They want to divert on to, to tangents. They want to be taking places that find them linked related things they weren't expecting to, to see. But also, we are engaging with them as well because they're taking new technology, they're expecting mobile technology, mobile devices, tablet technology. They're expecting things from the systems we provide, and we have to do that otherwise the whole process sort of breaks down. So really, in summary, standards help us to define and create the tools that let you guys work efficiently and effectively. It's a structure for you to to work in. It allows you to interpret locally what you want to do and expose that to to the public. It's a way of managing your end users expectation of what they want to get from the data and structure you hold. And I guess it probably completes that triangle with the supplier, the customer and the end user. So I think that's what I was hoping to say. What I was trying to say. If any questions, please throw them up now. Um, if it didn't make sense. It confuses <coughs> expansion. Please ask any question now. So thank you. This podcast is copyright the National Archives.